We, we're in a series in the book of Mark, and we've been getting to know Jesus better through this eyewitness account written by Mark. And so we've been enjoying the book by just, by just reading it. Maybe you've been listening to it as an audio book while you're going for a walk. Maybe you're with one of our connection groups where you're just reading like maybe a couple of chapters a week and then seeing what you noticed, you know, trusting that the Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God. And um, so to, we've been learning, especially on what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to look at one of the themes that we see, especially in Mark chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles, which hopefully you do, even those little ones on your phone, you can do that. You can put down, you can put down Instagram. It's not that good. Even Facebook, except for those of you who are online, you can, you can you know, do, yeah, that you can do. But, but let's open up the Word of God. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. I'd like to invite Larry Letts, uh, man I got to know by being a traveling companion to uh, Alaska. We quarantined together in the village of Koyuk, and I, so I have tremendous respect for him. Oh, okay, here we go. Because when I get home, my wife always reminds me I dropped the mic. Can we turn on this microphone? There we go. So, can you hear me? It's... Not yet? It's the... The so one that says that says wireless mic. Let's try that again. No. Maybe not. Working? Okay. Well, here I'll, I'll, I'll close enough. I'll stand close to you. All right. <laughs> but but speaking of standing, just out of reverence for God's word, let's stand together. Let's stand together as we hear it read. The rich and the kingdom of God. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel 
will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Amen. Please have a seat. He never asked to be born into money. But he was. His family was one that would be thought of as uh, kind of a leader in the village. A leader in the synagogue. And of course, a family that was blessed. To be blessed is to have money. I mean, after all, I mean, God rewards those who do good, doesn't he? And so they've been quite rewarded. Therefore, they must have been very good. So for generations, his family had been seen as leaders in the synagogue, Leaders in the community, leaders in the village. He, he was a man with, well, with the weight of responsibility of that. It's funny when somebody doesn't have money, they just think, if I had more money, well, then I'd have less problems. No, the, the, the truth is you just get different problems. So he felt the weight of the expectation. It's his job to carry the family name. It was his job to be a pillar in in the community. It was his job to be a good boy. So that the good legacy that his family had could be continued. So his life was pretty, at times it felt pretty locked down by the expectation. You've got to do good. You've got to look right. People are counting on you, young man. And so he did good. He looked the part. He thought of all the people that depended on him and his family. I mean, certainly there'd be the economic things, you know, the family accountant, the people who who maintained the estate, the workers in the estate, the workers in the house. They all depended on him. They all depended on his family. He felt the weight of that. Now, yes, they could have got other jobs, other places, but they depended on him. To a certain degree, the community depended on his family. They were leaders in the synagogues. They were the anchor family of the community. He felt the weight of that. And then he saw Jesus. And here's this man that has, on some level, he has nothing. He, 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 was, he was just nomadic. He had no property. He didn't, didn't dress in fine clothes. And yet, there was an authority about him. 
He, he could speak and people would get healed. He could speak and demons would be cast out. He could speak and lives would get changed. Rumor has it he had walked on water. There were people in this village that were part of the feeding of the 4,000 and feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus, he spoke with an authority and a life that he had never seen. Here's a man that had all that you would think of all these expectations and obligations, and yet he was free. And so this young man, he was very drawn to Jesus. Almost nervous to talk to him. And so when he saw that Jesus was about to leave the village, he did something he'd never done before. He just did something that someone in his status would never do. He ran to him. He ran to him and he fell at his feet, at his, on, his, on his knees before him. And this man who knew what it was like to inherit money, he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus spoke to him. Good? Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You could hear the words kind of hanging in the air. What did he mean by that? You know the commandments, Jesus said to him. Do not murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false te testimony. Don't defraud anyone. Honor your father and mother. And the man thought about this. He'd been a good boy his whole life. He had to be a good boy. He may have thought about doing some of those things. But he sure hadn't. He wouldn't dare. Teacher, he said, I have kept all those since I was a boy. One thing you lack, then, Jesus said to him. Go sell everything you have. Give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then, Come, follow me. And the young man heard what Jesus said and he wanted so much to follow. He thought about what would happen if he did, if, if he gave it all away. And he thought about the people he'd be letting down. He thought about what his parents might say. He thought about what his wife might say. He thought about how it might affect his kids. He thought about how the good name of his family would be lost. And he wanted to do it. 
he just couldn't. So with a tear running down his face, he got up and he walked away. And the last thing he heard as he was walking away from Jesus was the phrase, how difficult it is for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, if that story, pause, by the way, pause. If that story doesn't trouble you, you are not paying attention. This story was dramatic enough that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all recorded it almost exactly the same, almost exactly verbatim. This moment rang their bell. And in full disclosure, I, I, there's a little bit of, I made, did a little bit of speculation about the background of the young man. The scriptures don't tell us anything specific, but, but he, here, here's where I got that from, okay? In the book of Matthew, it records the fact that he was young. In the book of Luke, it adds the detail that he was a ruler. All three record that he was rich. So he's often referred to as the rich, young ruler. Now, there, there, are, there are a few nuances in the Greek in the Luke text that suggest that maybe he was a, he was a leader in the synagogue, so I pulled on that one a little bit. But, but, but here, here's the thing. To be rich and to be young in the, in the in first century meant that, that the money that you had was going to be family money. See, we, we think of the American dream. Aren't you glad for the American dream? You know, that there was possibility to kind of rise, to raise your social status, you know, through hard work and industry. And, of course, we're concerned about, is there a loss of the American dream? And is it too hard? And all those things. Well, the American dream as best we understand it now, didn't exist in the first century. I mean, the, the difference between the rich and the poor was extreme. Um, the, the very rich, and you know, in Jesus' time, Caesar Augustus, Caesar Augustus, his personal net worth is estimated in modern U.S. dollars as $4.6 trillion. $4.6 trillion. The entire U.S. economy is about $23 trillion. One person, one person having that much wealth. And in fact, the whole system was kind of built to make it virtually impossible to change your social status. And the other truth that we know of first century time is that they actually believed something back then that to a certain degree we still believe today. And that's this, that, that good things happen to good people. And therefore, if you have more money, then you must be blessed. Hashtag blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. I'm not, I'm not rich. I'm blessed. Now, and so as we, as we get to know this young man, as we get to know this young man a little bit in this really difficult account, if we're paying attention and we allow it to trouble us just a little bit, perhaps we'll see ourselves in some of his pressures, in some of the things that he perhaps was thinking about in that moment. 
that prevented him from fully and completely following Jesus. Because if, we're, if we allow ourselves to be honest, and I hope we can be, we face some of the very same fears. So just take a quick look at that passage again. So as, as, as this man asked him what it would mean to inherit eternal life, and I think that word is very deliberate because he knew what it was like to inherit wealth. What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He knew the list of things he needed to, to, to inherit the fortune he had had, he, he had been entrusted with. Jesus looked at him and he, what's the, there's a, I underlined a phrase there, loved him. They, Jesus loved him. Jesus understood some of what was going on in his life. And Jesus cared about his well-being. Then he said this, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and then you'll have treasure in heaven. And then he said, come, follow me. Give to the poor and then come, follow me. So here's a couple things that we we know about this young man, this rich young ruler that, um, well, we perhaps have these things in common at times. To see this rich, rich young ruler, he had, he had some trust in his own wealth. In other words, money helped him to feel secure. Can you believe that? Money helped him to feel like his life was together. Um, now, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but who here would say, you know, it's, it's, I mean, we're in a time where maybe you've got some concerns about the future. I do. You know, is the, how's the economy doing? What's happening with the housing market? Will our kids, will our children ever be able to afford to buy a house? I mean, we're thinking about these things. In, in this uncertain economic time, and maybe you disagree with me with that, who here would say, I would feel more secure if I knew for certain next year I would make $10,000 more than this year? I'm not asking for a show of hands, but my hunch is most hands would go up if you did. Why? Because we, we trust in wealth. Money makes us feel secure too. Second thing this young man did that we often do as well is he trusted in his own efforts. This young man really believed he was a good person because he used the same standard that, well, we often do and culturally we do. Because I've never met anybody, well, I must just say, most people I've met, most people I've met, if you ask them, are you a good person? They'd say, yes, I'm a good person. Of course I'm a good person. Well, here's why. Here's why the natural default assumption, and maybe you disagree with me on this, is that people believe they're a good person. Turn, take a quick glance at the person next to you. Take a quick look. You're at least 1% better than them, right? At least. I mean, just maybe a tiniest bit. But like just a little bit better than them. A little bit. And so we compare ourselves to the people around us and we go... I'm pretty good, you know? And then we, you know, we, we find some criminal on TV or something like that, and we go, well, I'm definitely better than them, so I am, I am a good person. <laughs> That's why it's all the more interesting that when, when, when he uses the phrase good teacher, Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except for who? God alone. God alone. Now, in some sense, this is also Jesus, Jesus dropping a hint about his deity. 
in case you're wondering. But it's also a statement that is just plain simply true. See, you and I, you know, as good people, because good people of Wenatchee and East Wenatchee and Waterville and Quincy, all as good people, um, we may be good compared to, you know, all the people from the West Side or whatever, or, or whatever it is. <laughs> There's probably some people online. That, actually, there are some people online right now who are, I apologize, I'm making a joke. Anyways, can you feel the same way about us? I know. We might feel better than the people around us, but compared to God, compared to God, every one of us, if we are honest, we are deeply selfish, deeply self-centered. We are deeply, tragically sinners, flawed, broken on every level. I may be able to stand a tiny bit, 1% taller than my neighbor on a good day. But I cannot, nor nor can you, stand before an eternal and holy God based on my own merit. I cannot. No one, no one can. So he trusted in his own wealth, kind of like we do. He trusted in his own efforts, kind of like we do, because we sort of want to believe that good things happen to good people and why I'm a good person, right? Please tell me I am. But what Jesus wanted for him was something different. Actually, something on the surface may not seem like good news, but it actually is. What Jesus wanted for this young man was was to be able to put his complete trust in Jesus. Wanted that for him. And that one of the ways that that would be expressed for him was for, through his active care for those who are in need. And that's one of the ways that it gets expressed for us as well. Now, please hear me carefully. And can I see your eyes for a sec? Because I, I realize bringing up a passage like this, this is going to make us all a little bit nervous because you're like, oh, I don't like where the story is going. Jesus doesn't ask every disciple, does not ask every disciple to, to sell everything he has. This is the first instance of this happening in someone that is being called to follow him. He doesn't ask that of every person. He doesn't. Everybody all together. Wow, I'm so glad. But this is what he does ask. He does ask of every disciple to put Jesus and our trust in Jesus first. That Jesus becomes the source of our identity. Jesus becomes the source of our sense of peace. Jesus becomes the sense of our, our source of security and well-being. And sometimes when, the, when things like money get in the way, it, we need to actually lay that aside in order to faithfully follow Jesus. And Jesus does call every person, every person, to a life of generosity. Every person. Show me a stingy Christian, I will show you an immature Christian. No mature follower of Christ lives only for themselves financially. None. And Jesus continues to call believers today to to trust him financially in the same two ways that he told this young man. So can we put that verse back up on the screen for a second? So Jesus loved him. One thing you lack, give all you have, give it to the poor. And, and exactly, give to the poor and then come, follow me. 
give to the poor, and come, follow me. Every Christian is called on some level, and the Spirit will guide you in what exactly that looks like, to give towards um, organizations and causes, and sometimes even just to give directly to help people who are in need. That when we receive good things from God, the purpose of that good thing being given to us is not just for us. It is also for the people and the needs around us. If you've never considered giving to, whether it's a missions organization or a Christian nonprofit or a food bank or something, please do. It's actually one of the reasons why even as you give to the local church, significant portions of what is given to the local church goes out to help things like food banks and Christian nonprofits and keep people in their homes and pay, pay power bills and put food on people's plates when people are in dire need. And, but the second category and the second category of giving for Christians is we also see in the, in the, in the same verse. Jesus says, come follow me. Come follow me. The other kind of general category that we are called to give towards is give towards causes that help to help people to, to know about Jesus and to grow in grow in their life in him. And God's plan A for that is the local church. So it's good. It's good. If you're part of Columbia Grove, please participate financially. If there's another church that is your home church. Please participate financially in that. That's a good way to give. So that the name of Jesus can be known. So people can come to Christ and people can grow in their faith in Christ. That's part of what it means to honor God financially. So give towards the needs, give to the poor, and come follow me. The two, the two categories there. But in this story... Um, you know, Jesus opens up this idea for us. It opens up this idea for, for us. That, see, we can have treasure here, but not there. That wealth on, in earthly kingdoms is not the same thing as being wealthy in the kingdom of God. Now, we sort of know that, don't we? It's possible to be rich here, poor there. That we can't actually take it with us. You know the Egyptians were wrong, right? You can stuff all you want in your casket and it's not going there with you. We can have treasure here, but not there. And conversely, we can have treasure there, and yet not have treasure here. We can be rich there, poor here. We can be rich here, poor there. We can be rich there, poor here. The two are different. And yet for us today, and this is the big idea I'd like us to wrestle with for the last few minutes we have together, is this, this idea. See, you and I, we live in two kingdoms right now. If you're a follower of Christ, you live in two kingdoms, you are officially a dual citizen, regardless of what it says on your passport. 
See, we, we, are, we are citizens of an earthly kingdom here and now. And we are called to be faithful citizens of that earthly kingdom. And there are important things that happen in that earthly kingdom. Thank God we get to vote in this earthly kingdom. Isn't that great? Please do this week, by the way. Please, please, please do this week. We get to pay taxes in our kingdom here as well. Please do. You don't need to be happy about it. You just need to do it. We're called to be model citizens of this kingdom here. We're called to, to work towards the betterment of, of the people around us here, to the betterment of the city, betterment of the nation, betterment of the world. There are important things in earthly kingdoms for us to attend to. And if you are a follower of Christ, you are also a citizen in the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells us what it means to have riches in the kingdom of God. And that is, as we invest in things that, that proclaim the name of Jesus, that help to share the message of Jesus so that people get to know him and get to grow in him, that's, that's an investment in the kingdom of God, that we give our time, our resources, our attention to those things, and we give our attention to things that, that honestly help people who are in need. Jesus tells us how to invest in the kingdom of heaven. To make the name, the name of Christ known. And to help with the honest needs of people around us. To use what we have here. To send it forward to there because you can't take it with you. But you can send it on ahead. We live in two kingdoms right now. You live, if you're a follower of Jesus, you live in two kingdoms right now. Both of them matter. But, let me see your eyes, I'm almost done. But, only one of them lasts forever. That might be hard to hear. But you know, in your, and you know in your gut that's true. So as we live in this kingdom now, we need to remember that kingdom there. Don't live in ways in this kingdom now that compromise that kingdom there. We can be rich here and yet poor there. That's why, that's why Paul instructs the, um, in, in, first, in, in first Timothy to, the, to Christians in Ephesus. Be, to those who have money, be rich in good deeds. Be rich in generosity. Lest you be rich here and poor there. In the same way, we can be, we can be rich there and, and yet poor here. That, that, God's, that God looks at the world God looks at generosity and sacrifice and service and even status in different ways. And we see it in this kingdom here. You and I, we live in two kingdoms, but only one kingdom lasts. Someday my heart is going to stop beating and I am going to die. And so are you, my friend. And on that day, the contents of my passport will not matter. 
There is only one book in, that will matter at that moment, and that's whether or not my name is written in the Lamb's book in heaven. You know that's true. You know that's true. Be good citizens of both kingdoms. But remember, only one kingdom will last. And so Jesus says to this rich young man, and he says it to us as well, he says, come follow me. Come follow me. Make me the first priority in your life. And if money holds you back, find a way to let go of the whole, your hold on money. The problem isn't, what, isn't that you have money. The problem is that money has you. If that's what's holding you back, find a way to, to make it release its grip on you. Or whatever other thing there might be that would be holding you back. Jesus calls us to make him our first priority in life. He wants to be the foundation. He wants to be your source of security. You know, and if you're like me and you hear this passage, this is a hard, this is, can we just be honest? This is a hard passage, right? Nod your head. No, or you're like, no, this is simple. You know, bring it on. No, no, that's a hard passage. Because if I'm being honest with this, I realize there is still plenty of things that God needs to deal with me about with that. There's all sorts of stuff that I get my anxiety up over. I worry about. I, I, tr- I allow those things to become foundational in my life other than Jesus. And as Jesus calls me to follow him and he calls you to follow him, he says, you, let it go. Let it go. Let it go and embrace me. Let it go and embrace me. Whatever that is, let it go and embrace me. Come Follow me. So we get ready to cl- close in prayer. And, and just invite you to, if you're comfortable doing so, just, just close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes. I, I'd like you to imagine um, what it might be like when your eyes open for the first time in heaven. As all of the promises that we read in Scripture about the new heaven and the new earth are fulfilled and they come true. Revelation tells us that the new Jerusalem will descend to earth, this just absolutely massive, ornate city. 1,400 miles long in every direction, including up. And where everything Jesus said about, I am going to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be with me also. As every, every word of that promise is fulfilled. And you see with your own eyes the place that Jesus has prepared for you. Now, I don't know if in that place there are names on streets or things like that. Or people have, there's maybe special honor given to particular folks or how any of those things work. But I can't help but wonder if you're walking down the streets of the heavenly city and you see the names of the streets, 
if the street names in heaven will be vastly different than the ones here on earth. Here's that name of that widow who didn't have much to live on, but she fed all the kids in the community out of her cupboard, even if it meant from time to time she needed to go to the food bank. And there's her name on a street sign. Because she was rich. Here's the name of this Sunday school teacher that for all those years taught in obscurity this little one one room Sunday school in a small community. Perhaps she was told she couldn't teach anyways. <laughs> she didn't have very much to say, but she kept teaching anyway. And dozens and dozens and dozens of people would hear about Jesus because of her faithful service over the years. And she, there's her name, there's her name right there on the road. Because she's rich. Because she's rich. Go down another road, you see another name, and, and here, here's, the, here's from the gentleman who, who had been giving anonymously to that organization for all those years. Never wanted attention, never demanded control. He just wanted to give so that children could be fed. He could have spent his money on a lot of things, but he spent it on that. And you see his name right there on the road sign because he's rich. He's rich. Holy Spirit, please show us today what to do with this passage. We don't want to be rich here and poor there. I don't want to be rich here and poor there. Lord, I don't want to live just for this kingdom here on earth. I I pray I would be faithful and wise in the way I live today. But Lord, help me to live in ways that affect tomorrow and eternity. Lord, help me to invest in the things that really last and matter. Lord, help us to invest in the things that really last and matter. And Holy Spirit, if you're, if you're wanting to say something to me or to the people, those who are hearing my voice right now, would you just tenderly, tenderly guide them? There's stuff that gets in the way. There's things that are, I'm hanging on to that I need to let go of. 
Friends, would you just let the Holy Spirit talk to you about that? Because Lord, we, I don't want to, we don't want to miss out on what you have for us. We don't want to be so embedded in the kingdom now that we neglect the kingdom then. Because God, you are worthy. You are worth living for. And you are good not only in this life, but in the life to come. And one day, God, we will see the full extent of your goodness with our own eyes. And Lord Jesus, I want to live for that day. We want to live for that day. So ready us, we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.